Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's daily podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. Hi, everyone. My name is Rebecca. I'm a partner with Ready & Newman. I'll be doing the conference call today. Um, Shruti, can you start our first question? Yes, Rebecca. Chaitanya? Hello. Hi, go ahead. Yeah, hi. Thank you for the opportunity. Actually, my question is uh, regarding my wife's uh, L1 eligibility. Actually, okay. she has been she has been working for the same employer since uh, 2010. So 2010 to 2015 mid, she worked as an offshore employee in India. And after that, in 2015 mid, she came to US on H-1B visa. So until now, she is on H-1B visa, but uh, her H-1 is maxed out today. So that's why few days before she left to India. Um, so now whether she is eligible for L1 or not, Okay, so she has just departed from the U.S.? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Today is her maxed out date, so that's why she left uh, on 12th, just a few days before. Okay, this entire time that she's been in H-1B status, has she been working for the the U.S. company that's part of the multinational India? organization? That she- yes, it, it's the same employer, yes. Okay, she never transferred in between to any other company? No. No, since okay. 2010, she's been working for the same employer. Yeah. Okay. So if she was still in the U.S. working on H-1B, she would be able to apply for, well, let's see. Okay, so there is a limit on the amount of L-1 time that you can use also. So for H-1 and L-1 time, it's kind of combined. So if she's maxed out of her H-1B time, then she won't be eligible for an L-1 visa right now until um, until she potentially gets an I-140 approval, but then she can only extend her, her H-1B beyond the six-year limit. So only H-1B status is eligible for the extension beyond the sixth year. Yeah, but uh, her employer never, never applied L-1 for her. And uh, I heard that uh, as she's been, as she was working 2010 to 2015 continuously in India. So that one year gap requirement is of uh, uh, not needed in this case because she was employee for 2010 to 2015, which qualifies for one year gap as well as the three year, three year gap to apply for L1, isn't it? My understanding is that she would need to stay physically outside the US for at least one year. Uh, but if during that one year outside the U.S. she is working for the Indian branch of this same organization, then they can apply for her to 
come over an L1 status. Um, because the problem is that as of this moment, she is not eligible for additional L1 time because the max out is a combination of H and L time. So H1B status use goes toward the limit also for L1 time and vice versa. So it may be kind of up to interpretation, but my understanding is that she would still need to stay outside the U.S. physically for one year continuously working for the Indian branch of the multinational organization before she would be eligible to apply for L1. Okay, so the period okay. before 2015 is not considered, 2010 to 2015 is not considered. That's not for current L1 eligibility because she's already maxed out of the HL time for for on this particular clock. If in 2018, for example, before she had maxed out, if she wanted to switch from H1 to L1, she could have at that point. That would have been fine. But it's not. I believe it's not possible right now because any H or L time in this current clock has already been maxed out. Okay. 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 Yeah. Thank you. All right. Uh, next question. Soumya. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. Yeah, so um, I just got my firm approval this week and we're getting re ready to file for the I-140 and the 485 next week. Um, but considering, and my priority date is current as per the December um, December bulletin. Uh, it's August okay. of 2011. Uh, but considering the time frame that we want to try to um, apply before December because the Jan bulletin is not out yet, would it mm -hmm. be better to um uh, as in file separately that is file i140 get the receipt number and then file 485 separately because i i'm hearing that the national benefit center that is san jose for me they've been approving very quickly within two three months um i don't have the data for nebraska center what the processing time is for aos so um, do you have any data on what the nebraska processing time is based on the recent approvals and what would you recommend to do at this time given that we have two weeks um before yeah. the end of month Usually, if there is enough time, if the, you know, visa bulletin isn't an issue, then we normally would prefer to be able to file the I-45 directly with the National Benefits Center, because you're right, there, is, there generally is faster processing for I-45s filed alone at the National Benefits Center instead of together with an I-140 to Nebraska or Texas. In this case, though, um, you're right, we don't know the January visa bulletin yet. And if January's visa bulletin comes out and your date is still current, mm -hmm. um, meaning you can still file in January if you need to, then that may end up be what you decide to do. That should be fine. File the island 41st, get the receipt notice, or maybe even get the approval if it's in premium, and then file the I-45 based on it. Um, okay. Because you could file in January, there's enough time to do that. If the January visa bulletin comes out and dates move back even more for some reason, and you're no longer able to file in January, I would definitely just file them together just so mm -hmm. they can get in in December. Um, there may not be enough time to do the separate filings if you have to file both in December. Depending on the I-140 receipt, it can, if you're filing in premium processing, you may be able to get it by email in time, but it's just cutting it pretty close. Um, if you have to get it in in December, I would say just file them together just to be safe. Okay. Do we uh, know when the visa bulletin might be out? It's delayed this month as well. Yeah, um, we don't know. We haven't heard. Um, my guess would be 
soon, you know, hopefully early next week, um, because okay. it usually is out by now. Okay. So um, when the I-140 is filed with premium, um, uh, Red, um, Rahul Reddy also said that uh, we can use the receipt number that the USCIS yeah. gives and use that and that electronically mm -hmm. that's the number that we get so we don't need to wait for the physical to see you don't that's right mm -hmm. and that comes, yeah. the receipt number comes within two business days is it usually um so if yeah there may be enough time to file them separately even if you have to get them in in december depending on how quickly your employer like if it's ready on monday yeah they didn't file on monday or tuesday okay. yeah. yeah and if they can send it by overnight um, I would say we usually get those email receipt notices from the premium processing unit within about two business days. It may take, you know, they're going to be closed at least one day for Christmas. Um, as long as they're keeping an eye on that and you okay. are ready to add that receipt number to the I-485 form and file that by overnight also. Um, yeah, just keep in mind, I believe the federal government is closed the 26th and then January 2nd. Those are their holidays that they're closed for Christmas and New Year's. So just keep that have in mind. There, sure. Have there been any delays in getting the receipt number from uh, USCIS for I-140? That would be the only deciding factor here. I think. Not if from the premium processing unit, as far as I know, yeah. but um, there can be delays in hard copy receipt notices off and on for all application types. Okay. So if we are able to get it in by Monday, Tuesday, we'll try to do the separate filing then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You keep an eye on it and are sure that you can, you know, yeah. if they're willing to file a premium, send it by overnight. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Next question. Raghumaran. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, see, uh, my name is Raghuraman. Uh, uh, I have my 485 interview scheduled on this end of December. Um, I submitted my uh, 140 in uh, 2019 and then 485 in November 2020. Um, the, the, the question I have is uh, during my 140, my role was mentioned in the document was senior project manager. And then in 485, there is a column for occupation. They put my designation, which is senior manager. But in 485J, it is senior project manager that is matches with the 140. Do I need to uh, mention during my interview about uh, a small difference in the 485? No. Yeah, I would say that's uh, fine. That I don't think that would even register probably with the um, interviewer. You mean in the employment history section on the I-485, they listed sorry. senior manager, but the actual I-140 job title, senior project manager. Yeah, that won't be a problem. Okay, okay, and um, for medical intro, I mean, for medical, I didn't get an RFE, uh, but I interfiled directly myself. I didn't get any confirmation on anything. But in the interview checklist, it is very generic. They ask to bring if you are not submitted the medicals like that. So do do I need to go with a copy um, or better? If you, advice? yeah, I would probably recommend bringing another copy of the sealed medical exam if you can, because even the, hopefully they did receive it and match it up to the file when you tried to interfile it. My guess is that's why they didn't send an RV for it, but mm -hmm. um, you never know for sure when you um, just try to independently interfile a medical exam. So just to be safe, I would bring another one with you if you can. 
Okay. And, and I don't know, maybe recently many people are getting approved without interviews and I'm getting yeah. an interview. Um, do I need to worry or what is the trend going on? Is it something they're starting, restarting with uh, 2017 model? Uh, it's for employee base. My understanding is the policy is still that they try to waive interviews where they can. Um, if you don't have anything unusual that you're aware of, like a criminal record or any significant immigration violations, um, maybe check with your attorney who filed your I-485 and see if they know of anything in the file, maybe anything um, that would have triggered the interview. It does happen sometimes that it seems like some are just purely random. We've had those also, but I would say um, the majority of ones, so the majority of employment-based I-485s are not interviewed, but among the ones that are interviewed, we normally can figure out some reason. Usually, sometimes it's obvious like a arrest in the past or something like that, but sometimes it could be something that is unrelated to you personally. We have seen some where it's a matter of an employer in your past, like maybe it's someone that you're a company that you're not even working for now, but if that company had issues with USCIS and it has been on the government's radar. Um, we've seen like multiple people who worked for or are currently working for that company called in for an interview. So maybe um, discuss with the attorney who filed your I-45 to see if, try to see what you can figure out of why it was triggered for an interview. If you really can't think of anything, then just prepare, you know, bring what is listed, prepare as best you can and and um, hopefully it is just a random one. Okay, the only point I remember is my wife's uh, I-94 was expired uh, in 2021, November. By that time, she also had a, a EAD as well, means AP EAD, um, but- um, Yeah, that should be fine. That's only time, I would say, okay. Okay, I, I think that's all I have. Okay. Uh, sorry. Uh, sorry, we do have uh, a lot of people in the queue, so I think we'll have to... hey, Greetings, Rebecca. Good to see you here. Uh, Hi. I, uh, right. I have a few questions. Uh, my first question is, um, I have applied for my EAD, but uh, after the expiration of EAD, two weeks after the expiration of EAD, I applied for it. Does that 60-day limit uh, apply within this case? 60-day uh, uh, relaxation, not limit. Uh, uh, what's the basis of the EAD? Is it based on a pending I-485? Adjustment of status. Okay. Um, so R actually, the I'm not aware of any 60-day grace period for the EAD filing. So there's a 60-day grace period if you're on H-1B and you're terminated. Um, then you have kind of 60 days to file another application. If it's based on, um, if it's an EAD based on a pending I-485, um, you, it's not considered late if you are filing it now um, after the no. previous one has expired, but you may not be able to use the auto extension if you have yeah. filed it after. Uh, I, I'm talking about 60 days uh, per uh... Uh, because of COVID, there is giving 60-day relaxation in order to apply, right? So for oh, RFPTC... Yeah, that applies only to RFEs, notices of intent to deny, motions to reopen, 
appeals. Uh, it okay. doesn't apply to uh, renewal applications in general, unfortunately. Right. Uh, so if you file the I-765 to renew the EAD after the current card has expired, they can still process it. So they'll still process it and it can still be approved. You know, they won't deny it just because it was filed after the EAD end date. But um, I don't think you would qualify for the auto extension, unfortunately. So the normal 540-day auto extension that attaches to EADs, I think it only applies if you have filed for the renewal before the current one expires. So it, although the EAD can still be processed and approved, you may not be able to work while it's pending until it's approved. Right. And the second question is about my advanced parole, uh, because I applied EAD and advanced parole at the same time, but uh, okay. uh, I may need to leave the country briefly and I may need to come back again. So uh, will uh, because I know for the first advanced parole, it is very strict. We should not use it at all other stuff. But uh, for the second advanced parole, uh, after I went out of the country, if it gets approved, can I still use it? Uh, yes, sir. Are you maintaining H or L status at this time? Uh, as of now, yes, I'm maintaining H status. Okay. Um, so the it, the first advanced parole is expired. So until you get the second one, you can't travel using advanced parole. And once you exit the country, there's a good chance that the pending I-131 will be denied because USCIS has been denying I-131s for exit out of the country. Um, not all the time, but a lot of times they do. So if you need to leave the country before your current I-131 can be approved, I would recommend that you come back in H-1B status, even if it means getting a visa stamp before you come back. Right. The other alternative is just waiting until this current I-131 gets approved and you have the advanced parole in hand. Okay. Yeah. Um, the last question is, um, it's a hypothetical question. Uh, can is for an employment visa category, for can a spouse withdraw application of another spouse uh, that they applied I-485 together, the dependent spouse, can that be withdrawn? No, even if um, it was filed together as the derivative of like an I-140 approved for one you know, person, each I-485 technically is in the name of that individual. So um, the I-140 beneficiary can't withdraw the I-485 application of their spouse who applied as their derivative. A withdrawal can only be submitted personally by the person whose name the application is in. Right. And uh, But that of if it is based on I-130, then in that case, I-130 can be withdrawn oh. by the petitioner, right? Yeah. If it's a family-based case, an I-130, then yes, um, then the petitioning relative um, the person who filed the I-130, if they withdraw that I-130, then that will cause the I-485 to, you know, fall through kind of automatically. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Sure. Next question. Yeah. Hi. Thanks for taking hi. these questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just have to give a little background. So uh, some, I think four months back, I've actually um, joined the same forum to ask a question. So uh, I had filed an H-1B with an external employer. Uh, and uh, that particular registration got picked up in the lottery. 
and then I've notified my current employer and uh, they have uh, kind of counter offered with an L1B. So that's when I actually um, asked, uh, I mean, joined this forum and asked, is it legal to uh, process both of these? So Rahul Reddy has actually confirmed that it is legal to process both of these. And I did happen to land up in US on L1B. And uh, incidentally, my H1 also got approved, okay. uh, but not stamped. So okay. now, uh, now uh, the situation is my current employer is actually filing for an H1B because they aren't aware of that my older H1B got approved. So will that be an obstacle uh, for the new H1B? Is That is my first question. But uh, can I or uh, can I let go the older H1B and then progress with my current employer's H1B? Or they can use the existing H1B and then progress further. So your current company, the L1 employer, are they aware that you had an H1 selected by, you know, through a different company in the lottery already? Or... So HP is an external company, so it is not related to yeah. my current mm -hmm. company. only has L1. Uh, my external em uh, employer who I filed it, that got approved, uh, but not stamped. Right. Now, so your current L1 employer wants to put you on H1B, but are they aware you already have an H1B selection or are they wanting to put you through the lottery in 2023? Not yet. They have not, no, not aware. So I just wanted to let them know, but I just want a confirmation that. Okay. Uh, so technically in order to be considered counted in the cap, you do have to have either worked for the H1B employer in the U.S. Um, in H1B status or have gotten the visa stamp based on that H-1B. Uh, so technically that's the rule. So I would say right now, based on that, you haven't really been counted against the cap. But having said that, we do know that people have tried applying for like an H-1B transfer in this exact situation with just, you know, providing the copy of the H-1B approval notice without a copy of the H-1B visa stamp. And I would say probably over 50% of the time we have seeing USCIS approve it without, you know, an RFE asking about proof of the visa stamp. Uh, it's not guaranteed though. And um, we usually recommend that, you know, the safer ways to make sure you're counted by getting the visa stamp. Um, and then your current company could file an H-1B transfer um, or yeah, based on, on the, you know, external company's H-1B. Um, otherwise, they would basically need to file for you in the lottery again in March, which they could. There's no harm in doing that, but it may not, you know, be picked up in the lottery. It might take several tries. Yeah, but it kind of depends on your relationship with the H-1B external company, I guess, if they're willing to support you getting the visa stamp, even though you may not join them, um, that you would, you may need to kind of plan to join the H-1B company for at least a short period of time because you wouldn't really be able to go apply for the visa stamp with, you know, employment confirmation letter unless mm -hmm. you have made plans to join that H-1B company. So if I just in case, if I, I don't have any plans to join that company because I just want to continue with my current employer. So in okay. that case, we suggest like I just file, go ahead with the current initiation of the H-1B, just let go the older one. Yeah, um, you can let your current employer's attorney know that, you know, you have this H-1B approval, but it never got stamped. And then it'll be kind of up to them to 
discuss with the company how, you know, if they want to try the transfer without the visa stamp, or if they want to, you know, if they're more conservative, then they may decide to just submit you in the lottery. Okay. So I just have one more last question. So just in case if they accept that we will go with the older one, since you've already filed, got it uh, approved. So what, I mean, uh, now once it gets approved, it gets transferred. So the change of status will happen immediately or I can still delay the change of status? Uh, it's up to you. So make sure you discuss with the attorney, whichever way you decide. So you can have it filed as a change of status where once it's approved, without traveling, you're in the US, your status will automatically change from L1 to H1B. Or if you want kind of more control over when you start your H-1B status, then they'll file it in consular processing. It'll get approved again without an I-94. You would need to travel, get the visa stamp, and then come in to activate the H-1. So you could do either one, but just make sure you discuss with the attorney who's filing it before they file it so that they can mark it accordingly on the form. I think that's all. Okay. Next question. Ashish. Hey, yeah. Hi, Rebecca. My name is Ashish. I have a, a quick question regarding uh, H4 EAP uh, ABR process. So I'm on H1B with, uh, say, employer A, and uh, my I-94 got expired in November. And my wife is on H4 with H4 EAD approval, uh, which also got expired in November. And mm -hmm. extension same, we have uh, it's under uh, processing, under normal processing, and it's been filed in August, okay. and along with H4 and H4 EAD renewal. Okay. I found another employer who filed my H1 and H4 together in premium and it is approved now. So oh. my, yeah. Uh, so did, they file it, did they file it after your current I-94 expired or before? Uh, so they filed it before my I-94 okay. got expired. Okay. And my question, can I travel to Mexico with my I-97 I and my wife's approved H4 for automatic revalidation uh, on uh, H4 EAD, which my employer A first employer has filed, or should uh, my new employer has to file H4 EAD? Oh, okay. So with the transfer application, they only filed the H1B and the H4, but not the EAD. Correct. They did not. Okay. Hmm. That's a good question. I would say you could probably try. Um, because mm -hmm. technically for the EAD auto extension, it just requires that there be an I-765 filed for the renewal of the EAD, you know, before the current EAD expired. There isn't anything in the I-9, you know, regulation or rules that say that it had to be the I-765 filed with, you know, the current employer's um, H-1B. The only risk maybe is that if you leave your current employer and if they withdraw the H-1B extension that's pending upon your departure from the company, the H-4 and EAD that are that were filed with you know your current company um, may also be automatically denied or withdrawn by USCIS because they were based on that H-1B. Um, so your wife may need to reapply for the I-765 anyway. I would say um, if you are switching over to this other company and you want to travel together to Mexico, try the, you know, what Rahul calls the margarita switch um, of coming back and trying to get the extended H4 I-94. Um, if your wife is currently working or was working before November and had to stop because of the expiration of the EAD, 
Um, if she comes back with the extended I-94, oh, I'm sorry. Actually, her I-94 is already expired in November. Actually, we usually don't recommend doing the margarita switch when the I-94 is already expired. So if she were to travel, she would need to get the visa stamp before coming in. Uh, so her, uh, the new employer, he has filed H-4 and it is approved. She has. Uh, oh, okay. So it's just okay. that uh, is not applied with my new employer. Right. Uh, applied H-4 okay. and premium and we both got approved. Okay. So the I-539 even with the transfer got approved already and it's valid until like 2025 for the H-4? Yes. Yes. Okay, then yeah, I would say right now she qualifies for the auto renewal. You wouldn't need to travel. Um, she would present the I-539 approval notice that shows her H-4 is valid until 2025 right now. The expired EAD plus the I-765 receipt notice. If she were to present those right now to, you know, an employer, those are enough for I-9 verification and she could resume work or start a new job. Um, if you are going to depart, then your current company, like I said, there is a chance the pending I-765 could fall through. So I would still recommend that she file another I-765 um, to get that in process in case that happens. But until that actual I-765 receipt, you know, that case number, until it actually gets withdrawn or denied by USCIS, it's still a pending EAD that I would say she can use for employment authorization. Okay. And uh, for both of us, we don't have valid visa stamps. So would we still be, uh, you know, able to travel to Mexico? We do have no, just yeah. yeah. So in that case, um, you could use automatic revalidation with an expired visa stamp plus your I-797 approval notices in each of your names with the I-94 attachment that's unexpired. Okay. And one last question is... Uh, uh, should we uh, explicitly mention to the immigration officer while stamping saying that, you know, we wanted it for automatic revalidation or or how, how does that work? No. So when you're, um, if you're just going for a trip to Mexico for, and you're going to use automatic revalidation to come back, you wouldn't be going, you don't, you mean at the border, not at the consulate, right? Yes, at the border, not at the consulate. Okay. No, you don't need to mention automatic revalidation they should know it's a pretty common so just your expired visa stamp plus make sure you have your original i-797 in each of your own names um with the original i-94 card attached at the bottom that should be all you need okay okay thank you thank you rebecca that answers my question sure. thank you so much. uh next question ajay ajay hi hi sorry hi, hi rebecca uh, um hi my name is ajay and uh I just received a couple of uh, status updates today. They're regarding my uh, 131. They were filed uh, along with my 485 uh, in October 2021. Uh, and then immediately in November, we traveled. Uh, we came back. And uh, since then, I had my H1 renewed. And then uh, I received my EAD cards based on the uh, 485. Uh, mm -hmm. But I got uh, RFEs on the 131s. Uh, and then today I uh, got the status updates that one of my 131 has been withdrawn. Uh, they acknowledged the withdrawal, uh, which I don't know how it happened. Maybe my attorney applied for it. We did discuss it, but I never confirmed the withdrawal. Uh, but uh, apparently she did. So 
I got the withdrawal on mine and uh, I got denial on the spouse. It's 131. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. But um, uh, a month ago, I've uh, since uh, after I got the RFE, I checked with Rahul and he said, I don't need to go ahead with the withdrawal. I can just go ahead and apply another one. So I already applied uh, 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 advanced parole for both me and my wife. Okay. So I just wanted to know, like, uh, why did they deny it uh, as uh, as an automatic thing because mine was withdrawn or? Well, do you remember um, what the RFE was asking about? Was it saying yeah, uh, really asking about your travel? Yes. Yes. Okay. It talked yeah, about. That yeah, that is pretty common the last few years that um, if you travel internationally while an I-131 application is pending, USCIS has been denying them sometimes for abandonment, um, which was kind of a relatively new policy that just started under the Trump administration. But um, yeah, so that it's not unusual. Um, so that may be why your attorney just went ahead and withdrew it in response yeah, to the argument. Since there isn't really an argument you can make if you know if you travel, then you travel. Then that's UCIS's policy to deny it if um, if there was travel while it was pending. Um, you didn't well, necessarily have to. It's kind of you could have just reapplied, and but either way, I would say it's fine. Um, so yeah. we'll just need to wait for the new I-131s to process. Okay. So the reapply took place a month ago and I had to receive notices. So my question is, my uh, my previous one being withdrawn and uh, my spouse is being uh, uh, denied, will they impact in a certain way and or certain different ways? No, no. Yeah. No, it, it, mm -hmm. Yeah, it won't um, negatively affect the current pending I-131s because that that has pretty been pretty common uh, the last couple of years with people having to reapply because the earlier ones were denied or withdrawn for um, international travel. So they okay. should be able to tell um, that you know the previous ones were denied for or withdrawn for that reason, and so yeah, it shouldn't affect the current applications. Okay. And uh, so this H1B that I have that's valid till 25, I uh, I, I had to get on to EAD because uh, I changed my location, uh, work location, okay. and uh, the, the H1B amendment was not possible because of the salary differences. Uh, okay. And uh, so I had to move on to EAD. And mm -hmm. that happened after 180 days of so 485 application and everything. Uh, so I just applied for an address change on my 485. That should be uh -huh. sufficient, right? Yeah, yeah, so that's if, fine. Uh, there were to be future interviews or anything, uh, it will be local to my current state of residence. It should. Um, depending on how recently you moved, I, we usually recommend, of course, submitting the AR-11 online, um, but also if you can have your mail forwarded for as long as you can from the previous address, um, that would be mm -hmm. safest. Um, because we have seen a few cases, we don't know if this is still happening now, but at least um, definitely last summer, I would say summer 2021, there were um, a handful of cases where AR-11s were filed. We got the confirmation that the address was updated from the website, but then 
um, like there was a fingerprint notice sent to the old address like weeks later after we, you know, several weeks after the AR-11 was filed. Um, so UCIS, for whatever reason, sometimes it still takes them time to update their system. So just to make sure you don't miss anything, try to um, have any old mail forwarded. If your I-485 was filed through an attorney, they should get a copy also. Mm -hmm. So okay. they should be able to okay. notify you. So, so we are already fingerprinted and okay. uh, our dates are October 2012. And uh, I filed okay. under EB3 and then uh, applied for a 485J or uh, uh, what do you call the that? EB2. Uh, transfer. Of transfer. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if they've uh, approved that piece and they're, they've now put me in the EB2 category or Am I still EB3? That's hard to tell, right? Um, if you got the receipt notice for the I-485J supplement that was sent to transfer the underlying basis, most yes. likely you can consider that you're in EB2. They won't send an approval notice for the okay. J supplement um, okay. indicating that you've been transferred. Um, okay. At most, you'll get a receipt notice, but they don't um, kind of approve those J supplements in that way. They just kind of take it as like... Uh, that's sort of the only acknowledgement that you get on like a receipt notice. So then I have years to go, right? Because EB2, October 2012, they don't. Yeah, it's about a year away from where it is now, but we don't know how long it'll take to kind of move those 12 uh, months. So for the AR11 issue, uh, it should be, I should be okay, right? Given I'm already fingerprinted and my AR11 was filed a month ago or two months ago. I yeah, be most okay. likely, um, because there isn't much right now, most likely, that they would really be corresponding with you about, since it's can mostly I, in that meeting. If, can I call and check if address has been committed? You can try. Yeah, we ended up doing that to for those cases that we knew it didn't get updated. So yeah, you could try um, calling the 1-800 number and verifying with them. All right. Thank you very much for your help. Okay. Um, I think we'll have to end the call here for today. Uh, the next one will be Monday at 3.30 Central Time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.